Hello, friend. This is Brett, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Sound of Truth podcast. We're taking a short break this summer from our typical approach of having Bible chats and having weekly interviews. We will return to those. But for a few weeks, I do want to just take a break and present this special series. So I'm calling it the Summer Special on the topic of the church. In our previous episode, we talked about how churches must change in North America. We have been operating under a philosophy of or an approach to doing church that thrived for hundreds and hundreds of years. But here in America, in the last, oh, 50 years or so, there's been a steady decline of the effectiveness of this approach to church, primarily because our culture has shifted from a culture in North America that is very positive toward Christianity, that is, uh, I'm saying is, I should say was, positive toward Christianity, a nation in which our government and our laws and our approach to life was very much influenced by the Judeo-Christian worldview, that is no longer the case. And because of that, our churches need to consider making some changes in order to be able to effectively bring the gospel to lost people and disciple them. Because the current cultural mood toward Christianity and the church is such that they are not going to come to our centralized campus. They're not breaking the doors down to get in for us to tell them about Christ and disciple them in our buildings. So a whole lot of this that I'm going to share with you over these next few episodes, I don't know if we'll go three, four, or five episodes. We'll see where the Lord leads. But we've got to rethink what is it that is essential to the church. We have to rethink our approach. And so I'm going to take this particular episode and address the danger we have in reading our Bibles of assuming that church as we know it today is the way it was done in Bible times. Because a common objection to some of the ideas that I think the church needs to look into in terms of becoming more effective with sharing the gospel message and discipling people, a common objection is that we don't need to change. If we change, we're compromising. And we're in danger of being unbiblical. And so part of the problem is our methods and the way in which we have for so long done church, we think that if we deviate from that in any capacity or in any manner, we're being unfaithful to the Word of God. And part of the reason why we struggle with that is because we have imported the way we do church upon our reading of the Bible. Some of you may be familiar with the term anachronism. An anachronism is when we are presenting something that's actually from the past, but we are placing in that historical presentation of the past something that wasn't even around yet. Uh, For example, in movies, it was an anachronism for Mel Gibson and his pals in the movie Braveheart to be wearing kilts. Braveheart was the movie about the life of the historical figure William Wallace, and Mel Gibson played William Wallace in the movie Braveheart. And in the movie, they wore Scottish kilts. And probably, if you're like me, you went to the movie thinking, well, that's historically accurate. Probably didn't even go through your mind. You just knew that kilts was a thing in Scotland. That's what men wear. Didn't even go through your mind that that might not have been historically accurate. Well, turns out it's not historically accurate. In fact, Scottish kilts were not around for several hundred years after William Wallace lived. William Wallace definitely did not wear a kilt. Wasn't even invented yet. Another example would be from the movie, this one is another historical popular guy movie, Gladiator. Russell Crowe, in one of the opening scenes of Gladiator, they have 
some soldiers that are dogs, and those dogs are German shepherds. <laughs> German shepherds were not developed as a breed for hundreds and hundreds over thousand years later, uh, well over a thousand years, almost 2,000 years later. So that's what we call an anachronism. It's if you're watching a, a historical period piece and you see something that's definitely out of place, wasn't around yet. Have you ever asked the question, do I ever make the mistake of reading the Bible in an inaccurate way because I import upon the Bible the way I do it today and assume that that's the way they did it then, therefore that's the biblical way to do it? I want to take a passage of Scripture and use it as an as kind of an example of this. I want to use Acts chapter 20 as an example of anachronisms. I'm calling it anachronistic Bible reading, which is really a form of, I'm going to use a theological word here, eisegesis. Eisegesis is just a fancy name that means reading something into the text that is not there. And what we want to do as Christians when we read the Bible is we want to engage in exegesis. Ex means to draw out of. Exegesis is drawing out of the text what is what is there? Eisegesis is reading into the text something that is not there. And so, anachronistic Bible reading is a form of eisegesis. Now, let's use Acts 20 as an example. I want to read Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 7. Just go through verse 12. So, it's not a real long passage, but then I want to point out how I have been guilty of reading this scripture through eyes that are guilty of creating in my mind an, a picture of that event with anachronistic errors. Here we go. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. As Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he, referring to Paul, had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted, which means they were very comforted. Now, whenever we read or listen to a story, we form images in our mind of what it might have looked like when it happened. In this story, I always pictured a very large open room, much more like a modern church building slash sanctuary with, with a high ceiling. Uh, to be honest, the initial images in my mind of this story also included two rows of wooden pews facing a pulpit area with a wooden pulpit, or to say it more precisely, lectern, behind which Paul was standing and preaching. In order to allow for a third-story window, I also pictured a horseshoe-designed balcony providing seating, again in the form of, a, of wooden pews, Filled with eager listeners. In fact, I pictured such a full house of listeners that people like Eutychus didn't have a place. There was no more places to sit, so they climbed up into the windowsills to find a place to sit. Finally, I pictured those windows open to the outside, providing the potential for Eutychus to experience his fatal fall. Of course, I completely recognize that the images in my mind have multiple anachronisms. The image of a church building is incorrect. It was not until the last half of the third century that the very first buildings were constructed for the meeting meetings of Christians. As for the wooden pews, they didn't come into existence until the 14th century. In my mind, I'm picturing when I'm reading the book of Acts that didn't even exist till over 1,400 years later. And then my mental, my mental image of Paul standing in a pulpit behind a lectern? Now that would not be far from the truth if he were delivering his message in a Jewish synagogue, which would have what they called a bima, which was the ancient precursor to the pulpit. And this would be from which the teacher would stand and actually sit in the bema and give the teaching. 
But in this story from Acts 20, Paul is not teaching in a synagogue, so it's unlikely that there's a Bema area. And it was most certainly not a lectern. The truth is that we don't know what the room of Acts 20 looked like. We do know that it was not a floor-level room because verse 8 tells us that they met in an upper room. Verse 9 informs us that Eutychus fell from the third story. Therefore, it is reasonable for us to deduce that this upper room in which they were meeting was either on the third floor or it was a room that occupied at least two stories in height, which is what I think probably is the case. Now, I share this example with you from my own personal experience in reading the Bible, but I've also heard several other Christians make statements that reveal anachronism. Let me give you a few examples. I once heard a pastor say, Jesus grew up going to church. No, he did not. It's an anachronism. The church didn't exist yet. Jesus is the one who started the church, so he could not have grown up going to something that had not even been established yet. And, of course, my friend would probably argue back, yeah, yeah, I know that. What I mean is he grew up going to the synagogue every week, and the synagogue experience was the same or very similar to our church experience. I'll grant that. However, the synagogue experience wasn't necessarily equivalent to the Christian worship gathering of the early church. There were differences. We're not going to get into all those, at least not at this point. But we need to be careful with assuming that Jesus' experience was similar to ours when we talk about this phrase, going to church. I'll give you another example. Acts chapter 17, 11, great verse. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's Acts 17, verse 11. And be honest, when you just heard me read this phrase, examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true, did you in your mind's eye picture a leather-bound Bible? I did for most of, my, most of my experience. I've read the book of Acts probably hundreds of times. And I can't help but in most cases take what we do today in terms of how we read the scriptures, which is usually with a leather-bound Bible, and that's what I picture in my mind's eye. I picture these breeds going back into their homes, grabbing their Bibles, sitting in the recliner, and studying it, and looking through, maybe sitting at a desk and studying, or sitting at the kitchen table and studying it. We tend to import back onto our reading of the Bible our own experience. We know, I'm sure you know, they didn't have bound books, let alone Bibles as we know them today. They had scrolls. It would probably be shocking how often it would shock most of us if we were to see the truth of how often we read our Bibles and automatically, even subconsciously, assume the way in which the early Christians experienced church is the same way in which we experience church today. So the first step in us overcoming this common mistake in our Bible reading is to be aware that it's possible, even likely that we're guilty of such an understanding of church life in the Bible being the same as it is for us today, and making that assumption, and, and perhaps even it's unconscious, it's subconscious, I should say. It's an honest mistake on our part, but we, we look at the way we do church, what we're used to, the way we've always known it, what we grew up with, and we assume that's the biblical way, when in reality, there's a lot of things we're doing that the scriptures, they don't necessarily exclude us from doing. They don't say we can't do it that way, but neither do they say that's the way to do it. Do you have to have stained glass windows? Nothing in Scripture says you have to have stained glass windows. Is it wrong to have stained glass windows? Of course not. It's not wrong. It's not wrong to have pews. It's not wrong to have chairs that you can you know, move around. These are things that are not in the Bible that say the way you have to do it. Does it say how you're supposed to dress when you gather with other believers in your meetings? No, nothing is said about that in the Word of God. Nothing at all. 
So these are the type of things that over time, they become the way we do it. They become church as we know it. And then we think to deviate from that is to be wrong. And you could think of all kinds of ways people try to justify that based on biblical principles. You know, you give your best to God, therefore you should dress up for church. Okay, fine. If that's what you want to do, that's great. But it's legalism. It's legalism for me to say to other Christians, the way I'm doing church because of some ways I interpret Scripture is the way everyone else should do it. That's dangerous, and we need to guard against it. And, and, we need, and sometimes we can be guilty of anachronism, looking back and importing into the Scripture our current practices, which were not even around at that time. Simply put, church as we know it is not necessarily church as they knew it, referring to the early church, the Christians in the book of Acts. So it's vital that we avoid anachronisms and we accurately identify the nature of the church as it was presented in its original state. That does not mean that we have to do things exactly the way they did it because oftentimes it's not prescriptive. It's not the Bible commanding us to do it a certain way. It's simply descriptive. It's describing the way they did it. That doesn't mean we have to do it the way they did it, but we need to be careful. And this is my whole point in this episode. We need to be careful not to assume that the way we do it is the way they did it, and therefore it's the way everyone should do it, or the way we should always do it. It's vital we avoid anachronism and accurately identify the nature of the church as it was presented in its original state. We must not let church traditions that are not biblical, but developed over time to be mistaken for biblically commanded church practices. Now, what I just said brings up the issue of prescription versus description. And in our next episode, we're going to explore that some more. How important it is for us to make sure we distinguish between prescription, what God commands, and description, what early Christians did, but is not necessarily required or commanded of us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.